All right, welcome to episode one of this podcast. Um, and we're going to get into some stuff now about, you know, every week we're going to go through sort of what we found this week, what's going on in our lives, in the lives of videographers, um, about gear, business, all of that kind of stuff. So um, the first thing I wanted to talk about is the A7R5, which got announced this week. So you mentioned that you were going to talk about this and I have... I've been out of the loop with that and I and I thought about it this morning. Do I look it up quick? And I thought, no, I'm going to stay kind of naive to it. So maybe give me the run through of the specs that, from the top of your head. Okay. And so I'll, I'll get my reaction and see if it's the same as yours. Okay, so this is sort of a specs versus reality situation. Okay. And I wouldn't, I'll get into this later, but I probably wouldn't trust YouTube when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, when you look at, because... The specs on paper look quite good. So we're obviously talking about video at the moment. It's obviously a photo related camera, but it has a lot of good video features. So it has obviously all the 10 bit 422 um, recording 4K. It has um, 8K recording as well, which is quite interesting. But is it needed? Probably not. Um, but then you've also got 4K 50, 4K 60, and you can go into crop mode as well. So obviously that sounds great. Um, probably. One of the most interesting features, in my opinion, is the new screen, which flips out, like tilts up and down, but also flips out as well. So not just like a normal oscillating screen? So it's a mixture of the A7 III one and the A7S one. So you can okay. still tilt it, but then you, after tilting it, you can also flip it around. Oh, okay. So one of the things nice. that really annoys me about like, the A7S is the fact that every time you want to shoot, you've sort of got to flip it. Yeah. And I don't like the fact that it's hanging off the edge. Sometimes I just want to flip it out and have yeah. it tilting. But you can't do that. So they've they've updated the screen, and I think that'll be cool for future models that we like. So yeah, you got all the 4K 60 and everything. So what's wrong with it? <laughs> so I didn't want the battery to go in the car. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> um, what's wrong with it is okay. So you've got 8K. I'm pretty sure in 8K there's a 1.2 times crop. So you're already cropping in, and you can't use active stabilization. So these are all a little. You know the small print basically uh -huh. okay fair enough like maybe 8k you're going to use for locked off shots a lot of the time you're not going to care about that 4k 60 and 50 also 1.2 times crop and then when you add active stabilization to that you've got another 1.1 times crop which brings it like you're basically not using the same lens that you think you're using uh -huh. anymore if you're if you're doing that so even in their full frame mode it's technically not full frame because it's you know, 1.2 times and another 1.1 times on top of that. So a 24 mil lens, it's off not, the top of my head, is somewhere around 30 to 35, yeah. somewhere in between that. And, you know, a 24 you can easily use for a nice wide shot, a 30 to 35 you can't, so. So the, um, I'm getting deja vu, because didn't this happen last time as well? You got the, the A7R 4 right? I did get the A7R 4 yeah. And you sent it back? Yeah, so... That wasn't too bad to be fair. I had the A7 threes, um, and I thought the A7 R4 would be good because of the, the tracking autofocus, um, and I really liked that sort of thing. And obviously, you know, I was getting more into photos, so the high megapixel was good as well. But the A7 R4, in my opinion, had some issues with like the high ISOs. It wasn't. It was quite grainy. Does it, was, it have the dual native? Uh, I'm not sure if the R4 does. The, the new R5 does have dual native ISO, right. but it's not as high as the A7S is. Okay. So I think it's, I, I think it's probably like around three thousand. But I haven't oh. actually okay. done my research on that. But um, and then obviously 
having crop mode is quite good as well because on the A7S we've now lost that. That um, was which a big, sucks. yeah, big, yeah. But on the R5, if you crop mode, then you lose 50 frames a second. <sighs> so it's like you get punished for going into crop mode, and it, and the whole there's far too much small print. Like you might at this point, if you're doing video, for you know 500 quid to a grand less, you might as well get an A7S3. There's, I don't see any point, um, in the in the A7 R5 at this point. Um, They've also got the, actually I missed it out, the AI autofocus tracking. So I don't think it's going to, again, make a huge amount of difference. But if you're focused on one person's face, let's say someone walks in front, it's no, it's not no longer going to, uh, yeah. like, you know, move focus and stuff like that. Um, it can focus on people's heads even when they turn the other way and, like, sort of tries to predict where their eye is and stuff. But, um, again, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference, but it'll be nice when that trickles down to sort of video orientated cameras. I can also see that being a bit of a gimmick that I think I would probably end up switching off. The AI? Yeah. Okay. I don't know, I just feel like I I wouldn't really want it making decisions and I can just see it like really annoying me. I yeah. don't know, I, I'd have to see it in action, but straight away off the top of my head I just think, I don't know. Yeah, no, I do agree with you because I have seen a review already that says it's quite distracting because you know the little box that appears when it's around someone's eye. Mm -hmm. It will, it it is constantly analysing the scene, and so the box is jumping around everywhere. Yeah. Um, and on the video I watched, it was jumping to a, it. Thought there was a, um, a face in a tree. It was jumping over there, oh, and the box yeah. was jumping everywhere. And when you're filming, that gives you mad anxiety that it's actually pulling. Yeah. And it wasn't pulling focus, but it was just showing you everything that it was detecting. That's what I mean. I, unless other than sort of candid shooting, I would not trust that in ceremony or speeches yeah, or true. so and and that's and you know moving from the a7 III to the a7s3 that active tracking is that what's called focus tracking yeah, it's come is, a long way is the best thing it's so ever. good it's like the, yeah considering like you know that never used to be an issue for me because um well i don't know if it was actually i mean i when i was on canon i never i never used to that never used to be an issue for me, so I don't know whether that is something the Canons had, okay, or whether their focus was just you know a little bit more, more accurate, accurate. Yeah. But moving to the A7 III, you know the the picture and everything was unbelievable, low light, unbelievable. But that focus was definitely a bit of a an issue. And then the A7 III, uh, A7S III, you know, addressed that. Unbelievable. That tracking is a game changer yeah, for gimbals, isn't it? Absolutely. And that yeah. was one of the things again that appealed to me about the A7R4 is the autofocus tracking. But on the A7R4, it wasn't that great. I think they really improved it on the S3. Mm. Um, and like as you know, me and you use gimbals all the time, and that's really handy for people to use gimbals. You can tap and then you can go basically. Yeah. Um, for things like couple shots and stuff like that. So, um, but anyway, there's a lot of hype about it. Um, but I honestly don't think you should buy it if you do video or if you just do video if you do a hybrid then maybe it could be worth it but then you've got the a7 IV pretty much does everything that you would need as a hybrid shooter i think like again you don't lose you have you sort of forced to do 4k in uh 4k 50 frames in 1.5 times aps-c crop anyway um but you know on the r5 it's a 1.2 times crop so what you're really missing by going with the a7 IV yeah it's a bit confusing, really, why they've decided to do it like that, but... Yeah. I'm sure there's some technical limitations. We're swearing on it. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. I think we should probably should. Okay. We should swear. Okay. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Less Making business less decisions editing. as we're less, going along. Less editing. <laughs> um, no, I listen to a few podcasts and I think it's just much more natural, like yeah. how we would. I don't swear a lot anyway, but if no. it's if I'm passionate about saying I will basically. <laughs> um, so, how many weddings you got left this year? Five, I believe. Five left, and you told me last night how many how many have you got left? Go to edit? Just shut down because it's too hot. <laughs> it's overheated. Oh Jesus! Hold okay. on. Okay. Let me let me t- put the car back on. Okay. And then the we'll get the the blowers back on. Might not. Uh, it's probably not going to cool it down, but cool us down. Go, cool us down <laughs> no, I'm definitely getting definitely it. Then, yeah. We can edit that bit out. Okay, so we need to. <laughs> <laughs> We've just realised that we're burning up in this car because the sun's blaring down on the windows. We can't really open the windows because of sound. Um, so we're going to have a mild blow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, these are definitely teething problems, but we're, we're good. We're good. Uh, what were you saying? So I've got five weddings left. And how many left to edit? 15. <laughs> 15. <laughs> it's a little bit, I'm a little bit ashamed by it, but, but like, you know. But is that the going rate for this time of year? Or is this, like you say, moving, you know, this year has been a lot of, um, lot of time taken up by YouTube. Um, how many wins will you have ended on this year? By the so this year is, I think, 35. Okay. Which is, um, you know, Let's, let's say like the last two years haven't really been proper wedding years in 2019 we did 55 and this year we're doing 35 so we're in 20 le- weddings less which is obviously great um but i'm sort of trying to focus on other sort of areas and i think that's what's damaged it a little bit like we've basically tried to get editors on board um we went with this company, this sort of American company, they do photo editing and video editing. I'm not going to mention the name for now, but... Um, maybe later. Maybe later, <laughs> yeah, at some point. <laughs> Take me for a drinker, maybe. Um, but so basically, you know, they started off really well. The customer service was great. And to be fair, the service was always great throughout, but the actual videos got worse and worse to the point where I was sending back feedback and they were just sending the video back the same without having listened to the feedback whatsoever. And it's kind of like your only job is to listen to feedback and re-edit some of the stuff. And they just didn't do it. And it became like more of a hassle, keep going back to them than just editing it myself. Um, and at the beginning of the year, I'd ended up re-editing two or three videos that they did. Um, and that put me back pretty much indefinitely then. And now here I am with, with 15 edits on the backlog. I think for most videographers, this is probably the time of year where you would have that a bit of a backlog because you catch up over winter and stuff like that. But um, if it wasn't been for that, you know, if we'd have found some editors who'd have done our long films for us, I think we would, we'd be yeah. sort of caught up by now. And that's definitely something, kind of, that I'm potentially looking at on my horizon. Like, because as we said last night, you know, a couple of years ago, um, when I was less confident about my camera work, cam like skills, I um, I was all about the editing. Editing was like where I felt safest because. I knew that my lack of skill behind the camera could be patched up in post. Whereas now, you know, I've, and I don't want to blame the gear, but the gear does, no matter what anyone says, you know, using an A7S3, 
even if it doesn't give you the quality, it gives you the confidence to to, to pull off some good shots as well. And um, you know, just knowing that you can go into a dark room um, and crank up to get to that second native ISO, um, and even you know, being able to shoot with bright backgrounds and the the um, what's it called? Um, dynamic range is is insane for a camera for just you know three and a half four grand yeah it's it's amazing but um yeah where was it going with that the using um so so now that uh, i enjoy the camera work more i've really lost my passion for editing especially with weddings because it is literally same shit different wedding and you know and there are some weddings where where i absolutely love it like and and ironically those weddings are always the one I, ones I least expect like you know I will hate it on the day when I'm filming because it's you know there might be some tension or whatever and then when I go to edit I'm like oh shit they had they they had um, letters to each other in prep there was two like decent readings the audio came out incredibly in yeah. like the ceremony there were some decent speeches in there and you know there was lots of laughs and stuff like that and I'm like you know they end up being the best which is really weird and another thing that you know i said as well like yesterday was um it's mainly just the long films that i don't really like editing that much anymore the trailers are so much fun because you can you know you can get them out really really quickly they're the thing that gives you the most kind of comeback you put it on instagram or whatever people will dedicate or like you know sacrifice a minute of their life to watch a trailer they're not going to sacrifice 10 15 minutes to watch somebody else's wedding so you know you will get your likes and your comments and stuff from the trailers and i don't know i feel like that payoff probably has some kind of influence on the way i feel about editing trailers what about you, you i say? definitely i definitely agree i think there's a few things to take from that like there's there's a phrase that's passed around um in the wedding videographer community called a unicorn wedding where everything is just the way exactly the way you want it the speeches mm. are cracking every, everything goes well in terms of cameras and audio the photographer is really nice and helps you out and stuff like that rather than working against you um and this unicorn wedding is so rare and i think it's so easy just for a couple of parts of the day to really ruin your experience on the day and then you sort of drive home and you're like did i i didn't enjoy that so it's kind of not going to be as good as it could have been but then once you get to the footage it might be a bit different mm -hmm. one of my best films from this year um was working with one of the worst photographers we've ever worked with um literally through a massive hump when i said i wanted to get some shots of the couple for video um and thrust the bouquet in my hand angrily um and, and you know it just kind of ruins the experience of the day um but what do they get from that what are they actually gaining by creating that tension like yeah it, yeah because the thing is as well is like you know i've had weddings where me and the photographer will bounce ideas off each other so i've benefited them just as much as they have me but obviously they have the most sway because they have their shot list they have most of the time been booked first so like you know but at the same time you can you can add value to them as well and i think they forget that but yeah sorry carry on exactly yeah you, you can you, if you work together you're often both going to get better results you know um and i appreciate that different things work for photos work for video you know 
I've worked with photographers who will do a lot of long exposure stuff during the couple shoot and it, it doesn't work. But if you, if you sort of give each other your time and space, then you can often get shots from other people's work as well. As videographers, we're very used to getting shots from photographers' poses. But I feel like sometimes I'll do a walking shot of the couple and the photographer will put their camera down and just like, I'm not doing it. And it's a bit like, um, but anyway, that wasn't the point of it. The point of it was, yeah, some, some, um, some weddings can feel like maybe you go home and you're like, maybe I didn't enjoy that as much as I thought I would and it's not going to be so great. But the editing is when, when you'd be like, oh, you know, actually it wasn't too bad at all. And um, I think a unicorn wedding is quite rare. Like weddings are events in the day. There's always going to be something, a guest, or maybe one of the couple is not in a good mood or maybe the photographer. There's always going to be something that's like not on point. And the main thing to note is just to deal with that, like just to find ways to deal with each part of that and try and find a way to make the film good even if for example the groom does not want to do a couple shoot whatsoever you've then got to try and find other ways to be artistic and and, and create that but and i think that's an, another thing as well that's just reminded me like sometimes we're i'll, I'll do a, a shoot a wedding or whatever and i'll know that there was a part of that day that went wrong either uh, there was a wedding where I was filming the ceremony and I forgot to switch the camera back to 50 frames per second from 100. And I'm filming mm. and suddenly I get that temperature's too high, overheating, whatever, switch yeah, off. And there. I was like, shit. Switch it back. I was yeah. like, oh my God, like I'm missing some vital part of, well, it actually wasn't vital. It was just hymns in a church. So luckily, <laughs> but like I was panicking, I was sweating. The photographer was looking over my shoulder, I could see the message. And, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I'm being judged. Everything's going to shit. And um, but then, you know, so and then there's this kind of weight on your shoulder because you can still smash out the trailer and you can just kind of put it, you know, sweep it under the rug for a, a month or two and then worry about it later. But then every single time anything like that has happened, I think the mindset changes when it happens. And it's not about, oh, shit, you've like you've screwed this up. It's about it's a problem that just needs solving. It's just a challenge that needs to be overcome. Like, and yeah, definitely. every single time, every, that's, especially in the, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, you could do the worst job in the world and you still have so much freedom in the edit to make something out of it. Um, and that I think is something that takes a lot of pressure off on the day. Obviously you wanna do as much as you can on the day to make your life easier in post. But at the same time, you know, you do have tools to fall back on. I also feel like there's, a, there's people put a lot of pressure on themselves to capture stuff that doesn't necessarily really matter. Uh -huh. um, one of those things for me was the confetti shot. Like the confetti shot is something which I think is good content. It always looks good if you can, you know, track them down the confetti aisle uh -huh. and, you know, in super slow-mo. It looks great. Um, but I remember the first time, which was years ago now, the first time I ever missed a confetti shot because I did the thing where I thought I was recording and I wasn't, you know, I pressed record when they were setting up for it and then pressed record to record when it was actually happening and it turned the recording off. Um, <laughs> but the point is like for the rest of that day, I was like, I'm so gutted, I missed a confetti shot. Like what are they gonna do? They've seen me trying to record it, blah, blah, blah. Um, came to the edit, I put it, didn't, obviously didn't put it in and it wasn't missed at all, but that's something which, you know, I don't think it really matters to the couple that much. That like, it's not part of their story. And I think that's also something that, as videographers, 
because I say this a lot, videographers have so much creative freedom in comparison to photographers. Yeah. Photographers, like I said just a minute ago, they have their shot list, there is an expectation. And you yeah, know, if the photographer did miss that one shot, yeah, they would notice. Notice, and yeah. But yeah. as videographers, we can distract. Do you know what I mean? We can be like, you know, there's plenty of other good stuff that we can put in place. And if there's, you know, if you're if you're um, if your editing style is that you're going to create a video that maps out the whole entire day as it played out, then yeah, it's going to be missed. But if you're clever with it and you can kind of, you know, spin the story you know, a little bit sporadically whilst it's still making sense, you can quite easily hop over that without... Yeah, there's a lot more ways to cover up a mistake in yeah. video. I know a videographer that, um, that after the ceremony, they'll go through to guests and just be like, can you just look ahead of you as if you're watching the ceremony, film them. And then if they've got any bits during the ceremony where like someone's standing in front of the camera or they're having to move all the cameras or something like that, then they just cut to this person Such just watching. And it is, yeah, and I, I've God, never done it myself, but you know, that's just a simple example of when you can just cover something up just by having an initiative to afterwards ask a few people just to look forward and, and record them. Um, and I, I'm at this point where I've now got a three camera setup and it is just a lot more complicated, but it is, I'm at a point where I don't need that because there's always a camera there that in theory is usable. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to capture on the day like everything that we deem to be important. Sometimes we forget like a lot of the stuff that we deem to be important isn't huge for the couple. It took me a long time to not want to put every single thing in a trailer or a highlights. Yeah. And like I'd do a highlights film, I'm like, oh, I've, not, I've, I've not put the kind of the cake in, but no one cares. Like if you, if you don't put that in, no, no one's going to notice that it's not in the highlights I film. find that really tough. Like yeah. when yeah. you're doing your trailer and you're like, this needs to be the sickest trailer ever. Yeah. But you need to remember you got to save some for the main film, otherwise you're just making a slower trailer. But I've, then, no, I've noticed with you, and that this isn't like an insult to your films at all, and I've recently watched a trailer of yours, and it's fast paced and it's quick and like it's enjoyable, but you're, you can tell you're trying to put the whole day into a trailer. Yeah, I literally advertise it as that. On my website it says, imagine condensing your the best day of your life into one minute. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what I want because but then it feels pressure, it feels quick, like it feels a bit much, if you know what I mean. Well, I, I, I know, and I, th I guess this is a bit controversial, I, I suppose, but like my aim for that trailer is to leave them gagging for more. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I, I don't want any clips longer than half a second because I want them to miss what didn't make, you know, because I know that I'm going to have to extend that out and play these clips a little bit longer but if they've only seen, you know, the blink of an eye of each clip, they want to see the rest of that clip. They want to see the rest. Yeah. Whereas if you kind of drag it out for a minute or so, you you are at risk of them say like you know feeling like they've already seen it, and this is just a slowed down version. I don't know. I yeah, no, that is true. And I feel like there's there's other well, I know there's other videographers um, in the local area who are the opposite, mm -hmm. and I noticed that they will do a 10 second shot of the dress in the one minute trailer. And they're just trying to show everything like really as, as yeah. little as possible in this trailer. And I think I'm somewhere in between you and this other person. I think um, it's a bit more of a like, I'll show what I think is quite nice and important. It's basically the money shots for me. Mm -hmm. I always try and tell the story a little bit, but it's more about these are the money shots, the ones that are gonna be like, you know, wow. Mm -hmm. And then for the long film, 
it's it's all of the little other bits that like, sprinkled in between like you don't for the long film it's more about the couple and their story and their emotion and yeah. in jokes and things for the short film it's what what they when they show their friends what are their friends going to find like, who couldn't make yeah. it or whatever what are they going to be like wow that's insane that sort of thing yeah i think like so i've i've kind of created a bit of a formula like so every one of my trailers will have like a short soundbite from each of the speeches and at least one cut of soundbite from the ceremony yeah and um and that's it and that's usually you know that is tough to squeeze into a minute um and then yeah i mean i guess thinking about it it kind of it is just a long trailer my films but you know i don't know i i really like them <laughs> But then just to bring this full circle back to kind of how it all started, um, you, we were talking about editors and, um, you know, I was saying about how, you know, I wouldn't mind, you know, I don't know, because obviously this is my first full year of weddings. And um, and yeah, whilst, you know, it, it, it's, I'm not in the position you are in terms of like editing backlog kind of thing, but I do have... A 35 hour job on the side so my workflow is getting you know well it just looks different different situations different lives and stuff i've also got a son and you know so it's just it's tough to juggle everything but i just think you know if even if i've got an extra 35 hours next year a day a week sorry that is i still think that a little bit of pressure taken off from an ed editor would make all the difference but then i think it's there's no consistency i think for your for your love of video like take it from me who did 54 weddings and edited them mostly all myself in 2019 for the love of video and wedding videography you're not going to want to edit all of those because if you don't like editing the long films and you're doing 50 of them like you're gonna start to resent what you're doing mm. and you know in 2019 i vowed that in 2020 i was quitting weddings i was not i was never going to do it again and then i realized i was just doing it wrong like, I, you know, I enjoy the process of filming them and leading up to it and creating the website and all of the things, like speaking to the couple. But it's just those long films at the end because I'm, I don't consider myself an editor. Like, I don't really want to sit down for, you know, seven, eight hours and just sit there and smash it. I get really bored of it sort of thing. Whereas the highlights is a bit more interesting because you can try and make it all look like looking crazy. And, you know, I think it's, yeah. you know, the highlights and the trailers are a lot more interesting to edit. Um, but, so I'm just going to switch the car off again because I think the battery's going to go. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think... Where was I going with that? I, but I think it's a natural next step for your for your love of video and for business as well. Like in business in general, um, the whole work smarter, not harder thing is, mm -hmm. is so true. The more work you start giving to other people who are professionals in that field as well, the more time you will have then to focus yeah. on things like marketing and then you can increase your prices and then you can pay more people to do thing. and that's I think that's the next step and something which I missed out on in my first few years of business was thinking I had to do it every single thing myself that's where I am yeah I've I've bought a laser engraver so I can engrave everyone's USB sticks <laughs> do you know what I mean I'm like you know um well that's pretty much it to be but fair it's but it's more beneficial for your time I've created my own CRM yeah. system and I'm you know doing all, my, all the change you've got a system that does all this for you like you know you've got that automation whereas 
you know, I've created the, the automation, but I'm still developing it. So that takes time. Um, yeah, and at some point that's going to take up enough time yeah. where where it's not going to be beneficial to keep working on mm. it. But then if you get it to a point where you're happy with it, maybe it won't, and maybe it will be worth it. You know, the, the CRM I use is Student Ninja. Um, affiliate code down below. No. <laughs> um, it's Student Ninja. And it's like less than 200 quid a year, I think. And like for what it does, it's well worth it. I would recommend it to anybody. Our lives are completely changed in Student Ninja. It's just so good. But obviously you have the unique talent where you can make one yourself. It's just where thinking about whether you should. Well, that was that was before I found out it was 200 quid a year. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm there thinking, oh, this thing is going to be like, you know, £100 a month. But I'm about to go home and pay for Studio Ninja now. <laughs> yeah, I promise you it's dirt cheap. And uh, Black Friday's coming up and it's often there. Often oh, yeah. Black Friday I'm, as well. I'm all over that then. I think yeah. that's the next step. So, yeah, that's like 200 quid, what's that? Like, you know, we get, you know, that's probably a half day rate on average for a, yeah. for a videographer of our size um, for corporate work and stuff so that'll pay for itself quickly pay for itself exactly but um, um, you can add on accounts to that as well so you can have one for your weddings one for your corporate and stuff which nice. I've got at the moment so but so so you said it's like the natural the natural next step like uh, you know getting an editor but then I guess there's two avenues there there's do you do you go to a company like you have or do you hire an editor right yeah and have someone on your payroll and that's someone you know then you know exactly who is doing your editing you can almost guarantee consistency then yeah this Cause, is it because you because you said that you know it starts strong and clearly what they're doing there is they're you know part of their sales pitch they're giving you like you know selling you the the dream giving you the dream to start with and then you start going to their apprentices and the trainees and stuff because those you know experts are now out trying to get new clients that's exactly what it is i'm pretty sure the the, the people that were editing my videos must have left uh -huh. and they even admitted to me when i when i left and said look i don't want my videos edited by you guys anymore they said oh um the quality's decreased because we've actually sent it to one of our new guys it's like but why and they said the part of that the guy who was editing my videos was still working for the company they just decided it was time to send my I don't know if there's some bigger clients or what, not what, but it's, you know, you're paying the same amount, so you are right. See, I'd rather do it the other way around. Have somebody start off not very good and yeah, have true, them develop true. and get better and better. Financially, obviously, it's much better to um, to have some, like a company, because yeah. you're just paying their rate mm -hmm. to edit, which most editing companies have a really good editing rate um, in proportion to the sort of total amount that you'd charge for a wedding. Uh -huh. And that's one of the really attractive things about it. Whereas obviously in the UK, then you have to worry about people's, um, uh, you know, pensions and, and hot tax and holiday and blah, blah, blah. And that increases it exponentially. And there's the fact that editing is it is skilled work. Uh -huh. So you're looking at paying someone, you know, at least 30 to 35K if you want them for a full time for a year. And um, then there's, equipment, that's quite low. there's equipment and then there's, you know, yeah somewhere to work if they went freelance they'd be able to earn more than that so at the that's moment, my that's my big thing yeah. that, that was that's what i would be worried about most you pay you know you you tr pay and train someone up and then they you know leave the nest and next thing you've got to start all over again or you got to get back on your tools and then that's another thing do you know you're at risk of getting rusty because you've got someone doing all your dirty work and, you know, I say that, but we were talking yesterday about how 
it's it's just the wedding editing that kind of I struggle with because it is so the same. But like corporate stuff, I love editing. I just love it. It's I think it's because every single time it's different. Yeah, that it, the variety is a big part of it. And there's less expectation, like not expectation as in standard, as in like there's less of a framework and a formula associated with things that haven't been done before. So where, whereas, you know, when you're churning out wedding videos left, right and center and people are seeing those wedding videos, they have an expectation. Whereas, you know, corporate videos, they'll come to you with an idea most of the time and then you deliver it with your spin. And most of the time that hasn't been done unless I'm copying one of your videos. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I do agree. And when you when you get to a point where um, where I am, where you've got like a huge backlog and you're just smashing them out, like it can feel I, you know, even I do get at this point, um, what's it called, imposter syndrome, where wow. I'm sort of editing these videos, I'm like, they're all blending in, sort of thing. I know that I've done a good job for the couple, they love the film, I think the film's good, but because I've done three other highlights that week, <laughs> I'm starting to think, are these good still, or am I just smashing these out now, you know? Whereas with corporate stuff, like you say, and I think it comes from the fact we don't actually we don't do a ton of it as well, mm -hmm. is that you kind of, you can focus on it and you know, because each one's different, you know when you've done a good job that one or not, sort of thing. But it's not that we don't do a lot of it because we don't want to, it's because we chase the money, right? Literally, we have to live. We don't do it, we do do it for love, but we do also do it to get paid. And weddings have that security behind them when in terms of, you know, future bookings. And, you know, they do come with a nicer price tag. Yeah, so, so I think there's a reason a lot of people who who do videography fall into weddings. Yeah, I never wanted to be a wedding. I, you, you know that I never wanted to do weddings. I I actively <laughs> avoided weddings, and then you know. So I when was... you approached me, um, that's a story. So we'll how? Talk yeah. about another another, another okay. episode. We'll go uh, through the whole the making of. Yeah, we'll Chris talk about the, the romance. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was you. You wanted to get into wedding videography. Then we met up, and you said you didn't. And then for a while, you were. You didn't want to do it, and then yeah. once you got a, a taste of the the money and the stability of it, and this is exactly it, you follow the exact same story as me, where I said people were calling me a wedding videographer in like 2016, and I was like, nope, I'm a videographer who happens to do a wedding or yeah. two. But then I realised the only way to leave my job was to and to know that I was going to get the next like get income for the next year mm -hmm. that I needed yeah. was to have the weddings booked in for the next year, which. With corporate work, it doesn't happen because people call you a week before or two weeks before. Exactly. Um, and then they don't show up. Yeah, it might, yeah, or might not happen. on you last minute. Or you Weddings might not get don't get cancelled. Yeah. Not very often anyway. It's very rare. And, so, and if they do, you keep the deposit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so for stability reasons, like it, it, is, it is great. Uh, it's just hard to then get back out of that because you're always going to be wanting to do that to uh -huh. get to get the money. So and, and you're booking so far in advance that if you decide that you want to stop doing weddings, it's going to take you two or three years to get out of it. Yeah, I've got I've got bookings in twenty twenty five already now, and have you? <laughs> have you not? I no. wouldn't put that far. Yeah, well, I'm. You know, I'll take what I, what I can get. So you know, <laughs> that's I'll, risky. That is. Yeah, and um, tell me, you charge them like double what you charge. No, them I haven't. No, they've you're going to regret just it. Gone, in twenty twenty five when you're filming with like a massive team of people working up to this wedding <laughs> <laughs> like the best of all the kinds of gear and you're like featured on all kinds of tv and stuff and you're filming this wedding they're gonna be buzzing that they've got you i'm like yeah i gotta sorry guys i gotta take a I gotta take a leave of absence from marvel studios because we gotta go <laughs> yeah. and film a wedding for 500 quid <laughs> but um 
But yeah, I think, um, well, how are we doing for time? Yeah, I think I think we've we've gone for a, over half an hour now, so we're probably gonna aim to keep it to about thirty minutes each episode. They're kind of bite-sized little little journeys and stuff, but we'll hopefully come out of a few of them. But yeah, so I uh, hope you've enjoyed the first episode. Um, I mean, I, I suppose we're supposed to say leave a good review and subscribe is that how it works you get i think so i think yeah I've i mean never left a review if we if we if we manage to get this onto itunes you can leave you can leave reviews um oh. if we don't then ignore what i've just said that's embarrassing <laughs> and comment on instagram yeah. because it's the only place it'll end up <laughs> um <laughs> or maybe yeah. youtube with just a picture in the background or something because the gopro overheated midway through so Lots of teething problems, but um, yeah, hopefully it's been helpful in some ways. Hopefully you've related to it, um, and it's going to be a lot more of this sort of thing, like business problems, what we're what we're aiming to do in the future, and things like that. And it's just going to be a chat, really, isn't it? Like it's just we're a chat that you know you you'd have with your mates who are also videographers, and we want to try and keep it. Yeah, it's a that. catch up. It's a vent. It's um, you know, it's just all things. It's just everything we would talk about when we're not recording our voices it's just a conversation really yeah um in, you know we, we only decided last night that we were going to do this today and um and we pretty much already had this conversation yesterday <laughs> so, <laughs> so i hope it sounded natural i mean it was natural though but we, we covered some bits that, that we didn't talk about but yeah um thank you for for listening and um we'll catch you in the next catch one catch you in the next one see you later <laughs>